0: Unbelievable. Cool. Ice water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street. than Death Valley, South Before this game started, Kilmer said, 48 minutes for the next 48 years of our lives. I say, that, right? I say, that. Let's go out there and we'll play the next 24 minutes for the next 24 minutes. And we'll leave it all out on the field. We got the rest of our lives to be mediocre, but we have the opportunity to play like God's for the next half of football. We can't be afraid to
1: lose. There's no room for fear in this game. And we go out there and we half-ass it because we're scared. All we're left with is an excuse. We're always gonna wonder. But we go out there and we give it absolutely everything. That's your road. Uh, yes, the man, the myth, the legend, ladies and gentlemen. As Quacking Tiger from Shaking the Southman put it, the savor of seasons. As ESPN writers put it, the opening act at a country concert in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. He is Chase Bryce. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast, folks. And Tiger Nation unclenched those rectums, stepped back from the ledge, and let out a big sigh of relief. As the Clemson Tigers are 5-0 after escaping an upset bid by Syracuse for a second year in a row with their third-string quarterback. And Trevor Lawrence is also officially okay, and we'll start against Wake Forest this coming week. Ben and Cody here with you today to recap the Syracuse game, talk about the drama surrounding the quarterback situation at Clemson, and the miracle that was on Saturday. Cody, seeing Chase Bryce taking off the backup smock was one of the worst feelings I've had in my life. And then seeing his first play from scrimmage, top that. And then rewatching it and seeing Cade Stewart try to block, top that. How did
0: we escape Syracuse with a win? I have no idea. And it was like the clown music was playing during that first play. And I felt like I, I didn't say a word all the second quarter. My girlfriend looked at me and she said, calm down. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I haven't said a word in the last two minutes or the last hour. And she said, I can tell you're freaking out. It's like, dang. that's how she knows you're tight.
1: She knows you well. Um. Yeah, seriously, folks, uh, go back and watch Chase Bryce's first play. Cade Stewart comes out um, of his set, blocks a guy into Chase, runs into Chase, grabs him by the belt to hold him up, pushes him forward, proceeds to hit another guy, fall over, roll on the ground, all the while Chase Bryce is stumbling forward, throwing it out of bounds. I will say the only thing uglier than that was Trevor Lawrence's uh, the play where he got hit and out of the game, and Chase Bryce did what Trevor Lawrence should have done. Well, regardless, Clemson escapes with 27 27-24 victory. Um, I, I don't want to kind of dwell on this too much, Cody, but I do want to touch on the the Kelly Bryant decision here real quick. Um, this game, I think more than anything goes to show you how, you know, hindsight obviously being 2020, but I mean, did, does that prove that Kelly Bryant maybe made a mistake by deciding to leave? He would have been the quarterback in there for the rest of the game. Uh, most likely starting against Wake Forest this week. Then you have the buy. He's not going to lose the starting job over the buy. He comes out probably the starter against NC State. Um, again, hindsight being twenty twenty, but what is Kelly Bryant thinking at that moment? Like put yourself in his shoes.
0: I can't help but think that there was probably some some just kind of ill will and probably. Wanting some justification or some feelings of like, wow, we missed Kelly in this one. I mean, would you not feel like that if that's you? You kind of you're probably rooting against your team. Uh, in turn, maybe you know if he's really was really the Clemson guy that we all thought he was. Maybe he was feeling like you said. Maybe he felt like, wow, I should be out there with my brothers. So I don't know. I, I could see it both ways there. But no, I I don't I don't necessarily think of the hindsight. You're right. Hindsight is twenty twenty. I don't think you're, you're really like questioning it too much. You know what I'm saying? Like,
1: well, and and anything could happen, right? I mean, I'm not going to play the card. Well, if Kelly Bryant was still on the team, that likely doesn't happen to Trevor Lawrence because they're swapping out series. Like you don't play that card. You can't anticipate things like that. It was a, a, I'm not gonna say it's a freak occurrence either. It was just a poor freshman decision by Trevor Lawrence.
0: Yeah. And and I'm, I'm blanking on the name of the commentator, but he says, this is why you don't quit on your team. And and they needed you in this game, and it, it almost made it sound like he quit right before the game started, and then yeah. or right as the injury happened. He said, "Nope, I, I'm not going to go in. I'm not going to burn my red shirt." It's like, no, that's not what happened. And he was out fishing somewhere, he, probably so. And he, yeah, I wasn't watching the game. And like, what could have just as well happened, and probably what should have happened, is we should have blown Syracuse out, or at least won by a few touchdowns with Lawrence leading us to victory. That should have been the narrative, and that should be what we're talking about right now. Uh, and and it would have been like, well. Kelly Bryant would have been an afterthought, and that's the way I think the coaches were hoping it was going to go.
1: Yeah, again, you can't chalk up Trevor Lawrence's injury to to anything Kelly Bryant has decided to do. And I'm also, you know, Nick Saban came out mentioning some things and and referencing Jalen Hurts, and I'm tired of hearing people talk about that comparison because Jalen Hurts has an extra year of eligibility that Kelly Bryant doesn't have. So, again, we mentioned it in our um, kind of instant reaction pod when Kelly Bryant did decide to transfer Um, that we don't blame him one bit for doing that one thing that kind of struck me coming from Dabo is that he said when he told um, Kelly Bryant that Trevor Lawrence was going to be the starter he never once thought that Kelly Bryant was going to transfer and you know either that's some type of vague coach speak or he's trying to cover up or just I don't know what he's trying to do there, but it kind of blows my mind that he would not have that scenario in his mind as being a possible outcome in that situation.
0: I don't know. I, I really think he was he was not promo he was not suggesting it to Brian as hey, you lost your starting job. Um you're gonna be benched the rest of the season. I think he was like, hey, the inverse is gonna happen. You're still gonna come in on every few series, and there's gonna be like the best guy will win, like will win out. But the one thing that gets lost in all this is like like, I wish Kelly Bryant would just come out and make a statement at some point and be like, "Right, Trevor Lawrence is really good. It's pretty obvious that he's going to be a better quarterback than me in the longer And I wish he would just say that. Like, they, they would show a bit of humility of, like, hey, we all see this. Like, like don't let that be the elephant in the room, his talent. Just fess up. Hey, I'm not the, the quarterback he is. Like, well, just I,
1: I yeah. think as a competitor, though, when you're at, you know, kind of the top of your sport and college football, that is, it's hard to swallow your pride in that situation, especially as a 22 year old kid, I I think what he could come out is, you know, praising Trevor Lawrence for how good he has been and, you know, saying good things about Trevor Lawrence and wishing him nothing but the best. A lot of it was focused on uh, at least his initial comments on how the, how the situation was handled and how he felt like it was a slap in the face to him. Um, But to his credit, he did text chase Bryce after the game congratulating him. Um, And we hear that, him and Trevor Lawrence had a good relationship, but you know, that's of course what the coaches are going to tell us.
0: Yeah. And frankly, I could care less who he has relationships with in the quarterback room or otherwise at this point. Um, it is what it is. And I mean, I, I, I wish that the announcer in the game wouldn't even had brought it up. I wish they would have said, Hey, just leave it alone. Cause it, I felt like it would, you know, from what we talked about, like let it be, let it ride. But the, the, the paint it like paint the picture of like, hey, there's Kelly Brown on the sidelines now that the quarterback happens, having this knowledge of Trevor Lawrence going down, and as if he turned his back on the team at that moment, and it really cuts to the gut and the emotion of a lot of Clemson fans. And I, it's like don't don't like don't pee on his grave at this point. I, I mean, I, maybe that's not the right way of framing it, but you know what I mean. Just let it be. Well, I'll
1: tell you this. I think Dabo has handled it very well, and it, it sends a good message to future recruits that if you're going to come to Clemson and you're better than um, the guy next to you, your position, that you're going to play, uh, regardless of how long that guy's been on the team. If you if somebody came in as a defensive tackle or, say, Xavier Thomas comes in this year and is hands down better than Austin Bryant— and you know, he's going to get the starting job, according to what Dabo says. And Dabo is backing that up with his actions. And then also for Holly Rowe to ask him, I believe it was Holly Rowe to ask him whether or not he would take Kelly Bryant back there in that interview. Um, and for him to say, absolutely. I mean, that, that, that is a good look for
0: him. It, well, you said it. Wait a minute, it is a good look for him. Yeah. I okay. think he said nothing but the right things. I mean it shows how far ESPN's diving mean, we talked about
1: the but you had to know that was going to be the narrative from ESPN that was the talk of the college football world over the last half week leading up to that game
0: they're so incentivized by clicks and the rumor mill and and drama that that has nothing to do with football and like we we at Clemson were really soaking it in i think most fans were but at some point like we're ready to move on to football ESPN's like, no, can we talk about Kaepernick? Is that still, oh, it is, let's talk about that some more.
1: Well, to be fair, we're talking about four days removed from it actually happening. Now, moving forward, I would expect that this conversation dies down and goes away. Um, as Dabo mentioned, we, he, he put an end to it. He wants to talk about the guys that are there and on the team. So, I, you know, I give him a break for the for the first game. But moving forward, let's die down on the Kelly Bryant talk. Okay, so before we get into the recap, I want to give a plug to the podcast Tully, one of our co-hosts. Um, he is actually tonight interviewing Quacking Tiger from Shaking the Southland and some of the guys from ClemsonPaws.com that aims to be a pretty riveting episode. I think if you if you read either of those sites and Quacking Tiger in particular on Shaking the Southland, that you know what a great conversation that stands to set up to be. Um, So I encourage you guys to go and look for that. I believe it's going to come out this Thursday morning. Um, They were originally going to talk about the quarterback battle and Trevor Lawrence beating out Kelly Bryant. Uh, But that quickly became a moot point. So now they're going to talk about the quarterbacks and other things uh, moving forward, the outlook of the season and whatnot, given the guys that we do have on the current roster. And not just lack of depth at quarterback, but, you know, stuff like the secondary. So be on the lookout for that coming out Thursday. It's going to be good stuff. So with that, let's move on to the Syracuse recap. Okay, Cody, first, coming into this game, you know, it didn't set up well for for Clemson. We were going to learn a lot about this team. We were going to learn a lot about Dabo as a coach. You have a lot of distractions coming into this game. You had the Kelly Bryant uh, transfer. You have uh, guys, you know, Mark Fields, your number three cornerback, being suspended for the game. Cornell Powell having to sit out for what we, as far as we know now, is an indefinite period of time. And then you also have the revenge factor uh, after losing to Syracuse last year. So a lot of distractions coming into this game. I think we highly underestimated how much it was going to affect this team. And then on top of that, you have the injury to Trevor Lawrence.
0: Well, I can make an argument that the emotion impacted Clemson more than, and that had probably very little little to do with what happened in the, in the week uh, leading up in, in Kelly Bryant's departure. I think it had a lot to do with payback and and the guys wanting to go out and and get to dungy it's particularly the defensive lineman but i i think that's where that's what was impacting the team early on and the one thing that we probably overlooked not that we talked about syracuse before the game but they're a pretty good team debo babers two years in a row he's schooled us there's no there's no other way to, to slice it well dungy a gritty quarterback a good
1: comparison it, was made to connor shaw and I, I totally agree with that um clemson fans will of course remember uh, Connor being a thorn in our side, um, but yeah, I mean Syracuse was probably the best team left in our schedule this year. I know, kind of at at first, you know, glance that's because the rest of our schedule is just so bad. That speaks a lot to the the quality of the teams in the rest of the ACC. But you know, I don't want to take that away from Syracuse. All of that aside, and the, the strength of the ACC aside, they're a good football team.
0: They are. And, and I mean, it, it's again, two years in a row, they've outschooled our coaches. Uh, Invincibles is a really tough cookie to, I mean, he sends so much pressure, disguised pressure, and he has the right guys to do it, that it makes it unbelievably hard for a team like Syracuse to compete with a defense like Clemson. Yet they've done it two years in a row now. And, and that's I, after being blown out,
1: like whatever it was, 50 something to nothing uh, three years ago in Death Valley.
0: Exactly. And, you know, they they have brought in incrementally better or should I say marginally better talent. And and Beaver's uh, is just a he's a good well, they've got coach. much better coaching. They do. than they
1: did prior to Babers.
0: It's just I mean, they shouldn't I mean, with all that, they still shouldn't be playing with us yet. Here we are. And it's 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 been two tight games in a row where crazy circumstances. We get an injured quarterback in the first half and they've and they've capitalized. Well, and last
1: year, I'm not so certain that we win that game, even with Kelly Bryant in the ball game, just because Syracuse was playing that much better than us on both sides of the ball. But this year, you got to take it with a grain of salt, giving the Trevor Lawrence injury, don't you? I mean, if he stays in that game, the offense looked like they were just starting to get it together um, you know, before the half. So I tend to think that it does turn out differently. And the injury to Trevor Lawrence was a big
0: factor. Absolutely. I mean, people will say, wow, Trevor Lawrence did not look good. And, you know, it wasn't his best performance. Some things he's still picking up, uh, like the fumble, like you got to. Hey, if Etienne's on your team, well, I think like. Don't pull the ball. like, Like, oh, my God, there should just be this should be slapped on top of the locker room at the exit door. If Etienne's on your team, give the ball to Etienne. When in doubt, give the ball to Etienne. Like this should never be a question. Like you shouldn't have to be worried about reading a defensive end, which it sounds like the right play was to pull the ball and run. And and another part of that is, you know, I don't think we could probably criticize a lot of the play calling, but I'm okay if you you just move away from zone reads altogether with uh, go to play action, like do that, work the run game to move to play action and then open up the downfield passing. Let the the running game be your, your base, uh, the core of your offense, because Hey, our run blocking is really good. Etienne is really good. And we talked about it last episode. Let that open up play action, and that's very pro style. I know I sound like like Jimbo Fisher from 2013, but that's pr- sounds pretty cl- like pretty clearly that's what we should do, and quit trying to use Trevor Lawrence like you would Kelly Bryant or even Deshaun Watson because that's just not him.
1: Well, so on that note, let's let's keep focused on the offense here, as they have been the storyline for the majority of the season, given how um, good the defense has looked. Um, you talk about Trevor Lawrence's mistakes, you know the fumble and the trying to do too much on the play that that he ended up going out of the game they weren't his only mistakes he you know doesn't give ross a chance for that fade in the end zone he has that throw behind t higgins across the middle on on his last uh, uh drive there so you you saw some of those freshman hiccups that nobody is immune to no matter how talented you are the thing that they do say about trevor lawrence is he never makes the same mistake twice well I know all Clemson fans, us included, are hoping that he doesn't make the same mistake twice of getting knocked out of the game by not going out of bounds or throwing the ball away.
0: Yeah, that was, you know, I, I, after rewatching it, well, in the moment, I thought it was a really just dumb play. Just try to give like, giving your body up on a third down. It's like, it's like running to the outfield wall in Wrigley, thinking you're being heroic by running. And in Wrigley, as anyone knows, it's, there's a cement right behind the, the ivy. Brick, yeah. Yeah. You, you're going to mess yourself up. You're going to be done for this season. It's not worth it. So like, that's not heroic. It's just dumb. And I thought that at first, that wasn't the case. I thought it was just kind of a really fluky thing after a second watch. But I guess to your, your bigger point was that he looks, let's just like, let's call it what it is. He's not as good as, like, he hasn't, he's not picking up on things as quick as Deshaun did, as quick as we thought he might be able to. Doesn't mean that he doesn't flash signs of just, like very high level of of, of like sheer, like close to greatness. Like he does some things with his arm uh, and just his ability in the opening drives to get the ball out on screen passes. It's like, good God, like all of a sudden these screen passes are the right play call and like, no, they're not. There's just a guy getting them out really quick and he's firing lasers. Yeah. It's a game changer. I mean, listen,
1: he has, you know all the attributes to be a great quarterback, and all the attributes to be a great quarterback this season. You know there's still what seven regular season games left, plus whatever we end up playing in the postseason. So there's a lot of time. He has picked up on a lot of stuff, and he's again, it's going to be, um, it's going to be exponential from game to game. He's going to pick this stuff up quick. And if what they're telling us is true, and he doesn't make these same mistakes twice, and we're going to start to see a lot uh, less and less of this. But uh, let's let's kind of turn our attention to the play calling here, and I want to first kind of mention. It has seemed during the, the Skellyot era that there has been kind of a, a lack of identity for these offenses under them. You know, back when we had Chad Morris, Chad Morris had a specific system and he ran that system. Uh, it had a specific identity and he brought in guys to fit that mold of what he wanted to do. Whereas now Clemson is just bringing in the best guys that they can get. And then they seem to fit the system to the personnel. You and I had a conversation last night um, texting back and forth that we're questioning, you know, outside of deshaun watson's years what have we seen from uh, jeff scott and tony elliott as offensive play callers and i mentioned to you i'm like well you know they've had four first year uh, starters and and cole stout deshaun watson um uh, kelly bryant and now trevor lawrence they have to deal with so that's kind of hard when you don't have the continuity there and all these guys have different skill sets so i can see that affecting it somewhat but the The stuff that you see in game of kind of abandoning the run when that's working for you and then you start doing other things that stop working
0: for you, that does tend to concern you a little bit. Yeah. And well, in this game, you have to look at it as like two completely different games because of the quarterback situation. So what you saw in the first half, I would actually be I think most fans in, in a panic in a state of panic in the second half were like, why are we not going to the run? Why are we not going to the run? Different, different. That, uh, we actually were going to the run to the point where they were putting eight guys in the box and they were just teeing off on on uh, Etienne. Like you had to throw the ball a little bit. And I, you have Trevor Lawrence. You're going to throw. Well, I, well, I'm talking about the second half. When now. Chase Price came in. Yep. But but the first half is where I think you can on certain plays you can open up. Uh, you could see, i think you can put them at or say they're at fault a little bit and maybe they, they hey we had this new shiny toy we haven't had a guy that can pass like this uh, since Deshaun left and you maybe, know that's what the fans want to see that's what the fan, you know that they wanted to to play into that a little bit and just blow Syracuse out especially after after what happened last year So maybe that the new shiny toy, they wanted to take advantage of it, and they didn't really do what they say they do and and take advantage of what the defense is giving you. Because giving you or not giving you, Etienne was taking it from them. He was taking like eight yards a pop.
1: Yeah, and we'll talk about the run game. I mean, those were men among boys uh, between the offensive line and the running backs, Uh, pass protection, the different story that we'll get into here. Um, But yeah, I mean, Syracuse was having trouble stopping the run. They were stacking the box with seven, eight people, and we were still running it down their throats. Um, and then we start to throw it a little bit with Trevor Lawrence. They start bringing pressure, we didn't adjust that well. The, the right side of the offensive line had a horrendous day. Tremaine Ancrum went out early with an ankle injury, moving Pollard over to uh, right tackle, bringing Kate Stewart in at right guard. Um, so we had some difficulty there in, in pass protection, especially on that right side. So why you start abandoning the run is, is kind of beyond me, so I do question that a little bit. Uh, but I, I think when you ha- you have to go back and look at this game again, there were some miscues early on, and this wasn't all the coaches. Trevor Lawrence made his fair share of mistakes, but we did start to put together drives after that, after the first two of the game, and so I, I really expect it would have been a night-and-day difference had Trevor Lawrence not gone out.
0: I th- yeah, I think so. You could just say like, everyone had to fill it. like We were just one play away a- in each drive, and it again, well, I mean, maybe aside from that first one where we caught the ball up, but we were... When Trevor Lawrence was in there. You had you, you felt a little bit of confidence. You felt like, wow, we're just we're either we're going to shoot ourselves in the foot, or we're going to score a touchdown. Same thing. Well, he hasn't shown the tendency to
1: turn the ball over this year. Um, I mean, yeah. he did have, obviously have the fumble early on, had that interception. Uh, what was the last game against Georgia Tech? Uh, you know, but other than that, it hasn't been like shocking number of occurrences, right? You haven't seen him be that careless with the ball.
0: No, no. And the, the one criticism I have on his passing thus far, it has everything to do with getting reps, like game time reps. It's not putting enough air on the ball in a lot of cases. I think and he did that even against A&M when he made that crazy, when he was throwing some darts. It's just emotion, I think, is adrenaline getting into you. You're not settling in feeling calm and poised where you're just going to you know, make the pass that you, you made over and over in high school. And he's capable of making it on the college level. Again, just needs those reps. And think about when he stepped up in the pocket and he and he aired it out to T. Higgins. Just give that guy a shot and he'll catch it. Uh, but I think he, he overthrew it or he, he threw it to the sidelines. Yeah. The other part of that, you mentioned the offensive line, like – Pass protection. It's crazy to think that an offensive line can be Jekyll and Hyde, whether it's pass run, protection run or, pass, yeah. and and how much just having having one of our tackles going out, how, what that means to our offensive line. It's, I mean, it's a night and day difference. Well,
1: well the good news is that we saw a guy engage Sivencia step up there and, and it, run blocking though. It, yeah, in run blocking, it doesn't bow well. I, I, it's he, not, he did have the crucial. It's not a vote of confidence for for anything for, for in pass blocking. Yeah. Well, at this point, I'm looking for anybody to do anything well, and I think the identity of this team going forward is going to be heavy on the run um, I mean, and keeping Trevor Lawrence healthy, which means you need to pass protect for this guy.
0: We are a pro style offense from this point yeah. on.
1: So finding the right combination of, uh, of guys that can get it done on that offensive line, and maybe part of it is they need, a group of guys needs to gel. They keep subbing in and out, but. You know, um, speaking of the run game in particular, there was an interesting thing that came out. We've been talking a a lot this year. It's happened a lot this year where we're trying to run up the A and B gap, and guys are just stuffing us. Now, this game, the offensive line uh, did a hell of a job in opening up holes early and often, and that eventually is what helped wear Syracuse down after we decided just to shove it down their throats uh, eventually there in the second half and into the fourth quarter. Uh, But Tiger Illustrated came out with an article this weekend or uh, the other day on – you know, top 10 recruit, uh, Corvair's crouch. And he was a visitor over the weekend for the game. Um, he's a target for Clemson, whether or not he's gonna play running back or somewhere in the defense that still remains to be seen. Uh, but apparently the the coordinators have specifically outlined, um, how the team and their philosophy is moving towards using the running backs as between the tackle runners. And so that's very interesting to me. So you have started to see that a little bit this year, you know, maybe to, to a fault in earlier games. Um, now you see Garrett Williams being listed as an H-back on the depth chart. So I wonder if the coaching staff, is, with the misses that we've had on running backs here in, in, in recent seasons, all of them for the most part going to Georgia, if they're starting to not try to weave that part into the philosophy of the Clemson offense so we do have a better opportunity with these recruits.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and, like, you know, I'm going to say scratch and moan because I don't want to say the B word now because of our certain fans out there. But I'm not going to, you know, complain. That might just be an easier way to say it. I'm not going to complain about the fact that we're moving a little bit to a a pro-style system, especially with Trevor Lawrence and with potential to bring in another passer uh, down the road. Um, But it's... It was nice. The pro, the the spread was really nice, but for one modern defenses are catching catching up to it. It was an inefficiency and it was ahead of its time when Oregon was doing it. Auburn was able to do it with even more talent, and Clemson was able to do it at a really high level with Chad Morris. But things are just they're changing a bit, and when it gets to this high level, it seems like you you kind of need a pro style. You need a guy that can go vertical, and you need to to have a good h-back or tight end, a lead blocker. And we don't have a lot of that, but we do have Garrett Williams. And I, for me, it's more personnel. Like, love Mylon Richard, um, but, man, he can, he's not a blocker. He's a wide receiver masquerading as a, as a tight end.
1: Yeah, and there were some pretty um, uh, ugly missed blocks there by Mylon. And that has, unfortunately, kind of been the trend. Um, I would love to see them get Braden Galloway up to speed on the, the blocking part of the game because the threat that he is um, out of the backfield as a pass catcher um, or is you know we don't have that right now. We
0: definitely don't have that in Garrett Williams. Yeah, I, I I think yeah you're gonna get you're gonna get one side from that. But man, when you have Etienne and you see these perimeter blocks, or even when he, when you, Garrett's just a lead block, even if they're running up kind of through through the middle or, or through the tackles, he can. It's the difference between uh, a tackle for a loss and a nine or ten yard gain because that it's that little little bit of a difference.
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, all the running backs, as I mentioned, ran really strong on the day. Um, And then I've noticed something that when ETN gets the ball, things usually go right. (laughs) I mean, is that Uh, that's a pretty I don't know if I noticed that agree with that. That's no that's take. But, you know, just me being the observant person. It's earth shattering
0: observations. So
1: in this game, speaking of ETN, he set career highs in rushing attempts with 27 yards with 203 and touchdowns with three. Um, he currently ranks second nationally in yards per carry. He's in the top fifteen in rushing touchdowns, total touchdowns, rushing yards, and rushing yards per games. Um Cody, I mentioned this last year after I first saw ETN get on the field and play. You talked about it the last episode, and now the rest of the college football world is starting to talk about ETN for
0: Heisman. He needed all he needed was tw- twenty seven carries, two hundred and three yards. Three touchdowns, and but like everyone knew it, we talked about it last episode. It's like we have a really, really good running back, and no one's talking about it. Part of that is the drama that was, that was kind of masking our amazing running back. The drama at quarterback, but now let's put that aside. We have a, a Heisman level quarterback. Running back. We need to start, uh, from, need to start
1: promoting him for Heisman, or that doesn't mean in uh, marketing him that way off the field. And Clemson does a really good job of that with their players, but uh, marketing him within the game by feeding him the ball. Exactly, it's and we b- did that. We finally did that. It came down to Dabo telling uh, Tony Elliott to, to to run the ball in
0: the fourth quarter, but we did it. Because as you said, when we get the ball to Etienne, it just seems that good things happen. I, I can't explain it. And when you don't get the ball to him, it, it, it's a fumble. It,
1: yeah, when <laughs> you, you lose the ball,
0: when you kind of halfway get the ball to him, yeah, you, you tend to fumble. But no, you're you're right. And, and the only thing that I you know I said it's more personnel and packages. Who is your slot receiver? And it can And by the way, Hunter Renfro. I don't know, he was beasting a couple of DBs. He did put on some weight. He has made a huge effort. Like a, he's put a lot of effort uh, into being a better blocker. But Trevion Thompson is going to be an even better blocker. T Higgins has been blocking well on the outside. Justin Ross is not afraid yes. to mix it up. I'm loving it, and that 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 goes so far. And I think we talked about an, the offensive offense not having an identity, and what we desperately wanted was it for, was for it to be. Trevor Lawrence coming in and just downfield passing Baker Mayfield or Oklahoma state, like big 12 offense. Not ha- didn't happen, but the identity, I think the, the clear answer. And if, if Tony Elliott, like this is our litmus test for Skelly, it will say if they don't realize it by wake forest next weekend, then we might have a problem, but I think we know what the identity should be. Well, it's not just
1: ETN. If you've got feaster. He's got to bounce back in his step. Um, he ran great on the day. Adam choice had a good day running the ball too. So We've got a good core stable of running backs right now that you can go to, and, and they're not afraid to hit somebody. ETN obviously getting stronger. You know, Adam Choice is just a little bowling ball. You know, he goes down on first contact, but at least he pushes the ball, the the pile forward. And then Feaster, obviously, he's looks like he's finally balanced out his weight issue with his speed.
0: Yeah, it sounds like, and a little bit of confidence too. He seems yeah. like that he's got a little bit of fire in him this year. And the, the other part is the offensive line. We're really good. Like they said, maybe one of our best offensive lines in school history. That's debatable um, because pass protection is not very, very good. But it, it is a really good run blocking offensive line. So here we are. Th- these are the cards we've been dealt. This is what we have to work with. Not a, lot, a lot of schools would not consider this a problem. Uh, but And I, I certainly don't consider it a problem, just that eventually we're going have to incorporate the passing, but let our foundation be the running for now.
1: Yeah, I mean, and so what Trevor Lawrence does lend himself well to in his style of play and his ability to get the ball out so quick is that does help a little bit when you're getting a little bit quicker pressure because your offensive line is failing. Now, once his decision-making continues to to get better um, and he improves on that, that's going to help mitigate um, that pass rush and also when he's completing passes.
0: Yeah, and I I think the whole thing would just be – the whole Kelly Bryant spray around it without the, the Kelly Bryant without the zone read, of course. The whole spraying it around, make it easy, let him get comfortable, let him get his confidence, and then you can work off of that and do so many things. And him, his presence alone, it does open up the run game more than more than Kelly Bryant's presence knowing that he was a running threat in the backfield. Yeah, now all this being said, we, we talk about
1: how his arm could possibly Open other things up, uh, uh, cause teams to not bring as much pressure. I mean, Syracuse was getting pressure on him with three, four guys. I mean, it's not like they're bringing the house out him.
0: All it took was, yeah, it, it's really bad when you see. I think it was Kate Stewart. I mean, it wasn't even a, a particularly athletic move by not a particularly high-rated player for Syracuse. Just made one step, and he's by he's right to our our prize quarterback and our only uh, our only quarterback that gives us a chance to really win. Just gets a, a you know free run at him. It's
1: well, I think one guy would would beg to differ, and uh, maybe we buried the CBA. lead. Maybe we buried the lead a l- little bit here, but uh, let's let's talk about Chase Bryce. There
0: goes my hero.
1: Chase Bryce, a little nervous in the early going. We we talked about um, the the comedy of errors that was his first play from scrimmage. Um, you know, he threw that interception, which very well could have been a pick six if the guy stays in bound. Um, but you know, the big thing from him is that he did not let that cripple his confidence. He just kept getting uh settled in and more confident as the game went on. And that's that matches everything that we've heard about his personality and his demeanor that we've heard from the coaches and his teammates.
0: Yeah, the one thing that I thought that not as many people are talking about are those two slants to Justin Ross, which I think, yep. You know, He does have confidence normally, but man, he was a deer in headlights. And I don't think I think if he doesn't get a little bit of confidence in us moving the ball downfield with those two passes. Which, by the way, who the heck's going to be able to defend uh, with a quick release from a quarterback and a a guy like Justin Ross and a guy like Chase Brice not afraid to throw it. Right, like, who the heck is going to defend that? Um, anyhow, just a thought. But that's what eventually opened up uh, what happened at the at the end of the game where he could build his confidence and make that that kind of pass.
1: Well, and I think another smart move, too, is you saw him out there with his third-string wide receivers early on. He had a couple good throws there to, to TJ Chase.
0: And then one that sailed. But behind, by the way, one of the best uh, freshman defensive backs in the country. But, uh, yeah, he it, it was a little... It took a little while, and that's why I didn't fault the coaching staff so much for not going, uh, for not for for going the run, but giving, but balancing out just a little bit. You had to be like, because they were putting eight men in the box, it was getting ridiculous there at one point. Well, and listen, I mean, he he had some great
1: throws too. You mentioned the slants to Justin Ross. He had that pass to uh, Amari Rogers in the end zone after the AJ Terrell interception that Amari couldn't come down with, but. Uh, I mean, that was a hell of a pass. He dropped it in the right spot. That was better ball than Trevor Lawrence threw all day, right. albeit in limited action.
0: Very close to a, a pass interference. So not th- it, on second watch, it was not so bad. In the middle, in the, in the moment, it seemed like a lot of emotion. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Why is Amari Rodgers throwing throwing touchdown passes to T. Higgins or attempting touchdown passes to T. You know, I actually... But I didn't think it was such a bad call on, on the second watch. I thought it was
1: a great call, too, and you know why? Because you don't see this often. Amari Rodgers left-handed. So you're not expecting that that trickeration to that side of the field a lot because you don't have a lot of left-handed guys, especially not a lot of left-handed guys that are playing quarterback or can throw the ball like that.
0: You're right, and given the game circumstances, like I had every reason to believe that that would be the play call, like a just a, a jet sweep to Amari Rodgers. That looked like the way we were going, yet they had two guys on, on T. Higgins. So Yeah, I have no problem with that call. At the moment, it seemed like, why are we getting cute? Why don't we just give the ball to Etienne? But I have a problem with his throw. I don't have a problem with the call. <laughs> give, the, give T. Higgins a chance, man. Somebody.
1: Can somebody just put it up in the vicinity of T. Higgins let him come down with it? Um, okay, well, all of this leading up to the last drive of the game, I mean, this really is its a thing for the, the record books. I mean, we'll remember this. I mean, this is a game that we're going to remember. This is a drive that we're going to remember for a long time. You know, 13 plays, 94 yards, taking 5 minutes and 25 seconds off the clock down to 41 seconds left to really give Syracuse no chance there. Uh, That perfect throw to T. Higgins on fourth and six. You saw exactly why you make that call on fourth and six. If you watch the Penn State-Ohio State game where they decided to run the ball with McSorley, a Heisman contender, on fourth and five, you saw that go wrong. You throw it on that play, no matter who your quarterback is, um, unless it's Ben Batson maybe. Um, Perfect throw to to T. That took some guts, and then... Um, and then to come back
0: and have that 17 yard run and show the grit there, that was amazing. Right. And by the way, credit to Dabo or whoever made the call, I guess it was Dabo who made the call to go for it on fourth and six. And not give the ball back to Dungy. And Blackledge is playing the, let's, let's go old school. Let's, you know, play it by the book, which that made that, like, if you just thought about it rationally, if you, if you had more than two brain cells, you, you, you would realize don't give it to Tony, uh, to Tony Dungy. Don't give it to Eric Dungy. And by the way, if you have no confidence that your quarterback's going to convert a fourth and six, what makes you think he's going to be able to take it downfield when there's like what forty-five seconds on the clock and, and, and you know, lead us to a, a champion or a, a touchdown drive at that point? You yeah, I, I it give made my, no sense.
1: I give my quarterback the option to have a little bit more time left on the clock and keep trying to engineer that drive. Um, yeah, I thought it was the perfect call, and that's why Blackledge is in the booth. <laughs> Not on the sidelines. We, we
0: got his name right. But uh yeah, I mean, he actually did an okay an okay job calling the game, but he that,
1: he generally is. Not to. to he, he does a good job yeah. normally, yeah. Um so yeah, just an absolutely uh, amazing day on the offensive side of the ball. And you know, one thing I'll I noticed in this um this went for both sides of the ball, but really just it, it's it's so interesting to see this on the offense is that Trevor Lawrence went down, and they stuck with it, man. They played Clemson football. They played second stringers. They played some third stringers. They just kept with it. When you
0: say Clemson football, you kind of mean it in the bad connotation, right?
1: Uh, I don't because I actually appreciate the way that they're, they're operating. Um, it's different and it's winning us ball games. I love seeing all these, these kids out early on. Okay. So we're not blowing people out like we should, but you know what? We really don't need the style points anymore as you know, with, with the college football playoffs. So getting these guys on the field, I mean, they're, they're super talented. It's going to, it's going to build them into better players when we need them at the end of the year when, you know, keep other guys from wearing down during the middle of the season. I mean, just look at Xavier Thomas case in point. So um I think it's great Uh, I was that that took some guts to leave all those guys out there but I think maybe one of the worst things you can do is obviously you have to change up your play calling a little bit based on the new quarterback but you don't want to completely blow up what you do
0: no well that's not the problem necessarily in terms of like play calling with Chase Bryce uh, or or it was more just like you you said Clemson football rotating in second stringers third stringers even in in certain cases and up until the fourth quarter and it's like if you know we're down. I think we're. Were we down nine or ten? I, I can't remember the, the largest deficit there. But we were down sixteen to ten. It's like sixteen to seven at halftime. So down nine. There was not a, a point like, bigger in the season, or maybe bigger that w- that we would face until the ACC championship game. Should we make it? Then what was going on in that game, and like I, I just couldn't help but wonder why are these guys on offense in particular? You can make the case for defense uh, on defense that the, the Syracuse pace you just got to rotate them in. I think that was the right play because we learned from that last year. But on offense, I don't know, man. I, I you, Clemson football is great and all, but there's a limit. There's a point where you're like, hey, we're gonna go with our goods. Well, and yeah, to pay, play a devil's advocate there
1: though. I'm fine putting in the third string wide receivers because again, those are guys Chase Bryant has been throwing to he's comfortable with them, and they are talented. Um and on offensive line, they're plugging in people to see who the hell can pass block.
0: They I, they were working out the line there. It, it didn't didn't take them too long to realize who the, who their guys were. And I think I don't I don't know if they I think Bachhorst was in it last drive point, last drive of the game. Just because they realized we're gonna be running the ball. And, and he, he did amazing. Which is telling. I think John Simpson's the better overall. Offensive guard. But he was fresh, and Bachwart's the big right. dude. Okay,
1: well, despite all of it, we did see some good things from the offense. We saw the commitment to the run. We saw our beasts of running backs really take over the game there at the end, and, and you saw a more talented Clemson team impose their will on, on a team, and a, a good team of that, and, and
0: beat them. And you, and you saw Hunter Renfro add to his list of just stupid catches that he seems to be making on a, on a game-by-game basis at this point. Just the contortionist. Yeah, like like I think Quacking Tiger said something like he just wants to catch he's the des- damn ball. He's
1: desperate for the ball and that's the best way that um that I think you can illustrate how he plays. He's and desperate every time to catch the ball.
0: And it used to be a thing of like how is this guy doing it? He's a walk on. Like we're way past that at this point. We're just appreciating him because man, he's good. And I, and I thought about this uh as we talked about the uh, during the off season about our top 5, our hierarchy of Of wide receivers under Dabo, and I think we, you know, some combination of uh, Sammy and and Nuke is number one. And I think I've got Hunter Renfro as my number three, leapfrogging Mike Williams at this point. So you got Hunter Renfro
1: starting wide receiver. He's third string quarterback. He's third string DB. He's third string punter. Um, You know, you need it. You need it done. He's he's your guy for it. So I mean, what else can you say? His his legend is already cemented um and it only just keeps getting better from here so yeah I just, we're, we're gonna miss that guy just
0: had to throw that in on Renfro like we would be remiss to not at least make mention of, of his of his catch if nothing else just the one catch
1: yeah and well just kind of the peace of mind of having him as a security blanket there at quarterback you mentioned that had he gone in you, you still felt fine <laughs> that he was going to make a
0: play. What <laughs> makes you think that, like, you, you, that play that you saw with Chase Bryce, his yeah. first play, what makes you think that would happen with Hunter Renfrew? Actually, he does have a propensity to fall. So maybe he falls a little bit, but. But you know
1: he's going to protect the ball, more than likely. So that wraps it up for the offense. Um, a concerning day for many reasons, but we also saw a lot of good things out of it. I think we're all itching as Clemson fans to really start to see what the identity of this team is going to be. It's hard when your quarterback situation is so in flux, but I think if Trevor Lawrence can stay in there and remain healthy and and be consistently um, the guy that's going to be in there leading this team, and then build upon the success we had we've had in the running game this year, and especially with ETN, that you're going to start to see that identity take shape. All right, so let's move it on to the defense. So, Cody, after um, kind of the beginning of the game there and specifically the first drive and then all the drama that went on with Trevor Lawrence going out, I think it really overshadowed how well the defense played in this game, limited the Syracuse team to only 67 total plays. I mean, this is a team that plays with tempo. They wore us down with it last year. They were going to attempt to wear us down with it this year. But, um, you know, I thought for the most part they played spectacular all day and, you know, even it took. Syracuse wide receivers actually making some really good catches there for for Dungy to for them to be successful at times. There were some issues I think in the secondary. We'll talk about that, but uh, they really stepped up, especially at the beginning of the second half.
0: I think so. And the, the twenty three points we never like seeing that in the Venables era. We never like to see any team put on put twenty three on us, particularly in any era. We don't want to see Syracuse put that many points on us. But the the truth of the matter is, what thirteen of those points are. 10 of those points, I should say, I'm sorry, turnovers. Uh, belong to just, yeah, bad field position, the Amari Rodgers drop on the on the punt, and, yeah, and, and, you know, of course, the guy kicking the 51-yard field goal. Uh, so, like, that's, you have to put that in perspective, and as you said, on second watch, it was nowhere near as bad as it as it seemed, and, of course, there's always the one play. We have the, the weak side safety, it seems, that's just been a spot for us. Um, it, it makes sense in the system that we play, but, Teams have been picking on that weak side safety for since the national championship and even before, since the 15 championship. It sounds like we should start recruiting a couple more safeties, which I think we've addressed that finally in this next recruiting class.
1: Yeah, if we could get a grad transfer in for this season, that would certainly certainly be helpful. Um, and we we say tongue in cheek kind of but eh, you know we got wide receivers. We're low on uh, on, on safeties there. So let, let's focus in on, on specifically pass coverage. And I don't want to let the linebackers off the, the hook here, too. But uh, starting with the quarterback position, we already come in. And we're, we're down Mark Fields for disciplinary reasons. Uh, A.J. Terrell, I thought, played a really good game, had tight coverage, had that huge interception. Uh, Mullen goes down with an injury late in the game. Um, in the, well, in the third quarter there, so McMichael comes in to spell him, and he had his issues. He had his, his issues. He's a true freshman; doesn't, hasn't had a lot of snaps this year. But overall, I thought he played pretty
0: well. Yeah, if you watched him down there, the the, the field side on on your, you know this lower part of your screen. Like- he was he was he's quick. He has good hips. You could see him move. Missed a tackle, but you know you expect that from a freshman. I, I like what I saw, and you know Fields. I don't. We don't know what the situation with is is with Fields, but if if he doesn't get his act together, I think it's safe to say McMichael needs to start eating into his snaps, and uh, and of course we need Mullen to get better. But yeah, AJ Terrell. Like when we talk about the secondaries ha- having issues, we have a pretty solid set of corners as at our in terms of starting our, our top
1: line corners are good i mean they're really good ball players they're gonna play in the nfl
0: i think so yeah and hopefully Molly can get back to good health but it, it does become a problem uh the moment he can't get back to good health and you have fields uh sitting out because of disciplinary issues
1: so you you mentioned safeties um you saw them have to resort to uh putting isaiah simmons in there back at safety at one point in the first half, um, he was late coming over on one of those long throws. Um, I think you can kind of point to the weak point, uh, being Nolan Turner as your second-string guy. Of course, there's still seven guys out to keep him fresh, but he was beat there on Syracuse's second uh, quarter touchdown drive. He had some other miscues in the game. That's really a weak point in this in this secondary.
0: Yeah, and it's, it, you know, let's let's be fair to him because it was just one play where he he let his guy uh, get leverage on him and he didn't, you know, he wasn't able to turn his hips in the way that you'd like to see. Uh, other than that, I mean, you, you have him to spell Tanner Muse, I imagine because, and uh, I'll be interested to see the Krakens' reasons for that, but I imagine it was because they're, they're not really posing a lot of run, uh, a lot of a threat to run the ball. So in a, in a more spread up-tempo offense, you want the guy that's going to be better in coverage. Maybe he offers that. Maybe he doesn't. But um, you have some issues there. And, and Isaiah Simmons, I thought, played an okay game. But I think we one part of the the preseason that we kind of missed on was just assuming it was going to be plug and play with him and think and thinking that we were going to get exactly the same production or close to the same production as Dorian Daniel. Just hasn't been the case. He's just he, the instincts. He's still he's still needing more reps. He tends to his eyes tend to wander. He just not closing the ground that you would like to see.
1: Well, even at safety last year, he was still a little bit uh, behind, Um, you know, just getting up to speed on that position. So now making the switch to the Sam linebacker position, yeah, he's got a lot of things going on. I mean, he's super talented. He's got all the talent in the world, and he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. Um, He's not going to leave after this season. I think it's safe to say, Um, but still time for him. He's going to be a great player. I thought Muse did play really well with his run defense in this game. I was really encouraged to see that he came up to stuff the run several times there. Um, But, you know, again, I mentioned the linebackers. I think what really got exposed in this game um, was our linebacker pass coverage is a lot poorer than I thought it was. Kendall Joseph looked a little slow there. He got beat on a play uh, early in the game. Uh, JD Davis is the worst out of the the, the three of them between him, uh, uh, Joseph and Trey Lamar. Um, as good as Trey Lamar is at coming up and stuffing the run himself, that's a huge weak point with our linebacker, and we struggled with
0: that a couple of years ago. Yeah, well, you know, I'll give I'll give Trey Lamar some slack because he's a middle linebacker and he's he's going to offer his own sort of uh, benefits just in, in his in his skill set and his uh, his physical makeup. But with Kittle Joseph. I can't help but wonder. He, he just seems a little bit like a step slow. I know he's injured. Uh, do, you, do you recall what the injury was that, that forced him to sit out last week? Um, I think it was a groin. If I recall correctly, that would make sense because he just and I, I don't just mean the one pass where he, he was just coverage slow. just in general, though, his his closing speed. And he's he's not you know, he's not exactly who would you say Vic Beasley or Von Miller by any means as it is, um, but always a very instinctive guy. He just seemed a bit behind. So maybe, I can't help but wonder if, the, if there's an injury there. Yeah, it was
1: so bad. It got to a point uh, where on one play they actually dropped the defensive tackles in a coverage. I don't know if you missed that they rushed the defensive ends and the tackles. Well, if you uh, notice that Dexter I'm... wasn't out there, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's something to look at here moving forward. Certainly, an area of improvement, and that's where our phenomenal defensive line really does mask a lot of weaknesses um, for this defense because they get pressure on the quarterbacks. When you see a quarterback like Tony Dungy or sorry Eric Dungy. You got me saying it now. Um, you know, with his ability and the things he can do, he really puts a stress on that defense. Now, to to their credit, you know, again, 23 points, 10 of them coming off of turnovers, pretty good day for the defense
0: still. I think so. And in the second half, like you said, they they really held their ground. And it's still, I you know, I Dungy, let's give him some credit, Mr. You know, Mr. Dungy. He's two years in a row. He just steps in and he just. Um, That's after we knocked him out three years ago. Right. Man, he just makes plays, and I don't know what else to say. A couple of the plays, like, there's not – you know, we gave Mond a lot of praise, and I don't think that was misguided. I don't, I, I just – the dude stepped in and made some plays. He extended extended plays um, running for his life, and Dungy had to do the same thing. Yeah, and
1: it is not out of the question that – I mean, Dungy's going to get a shot in the NFL. He's probably not going to be drafted, but I think he'll get a free agent contract somewhere, kind of go the same route as Connor Shaw did um, in his quick stint with the Browns there, but – uh He's nobody that you should be underestimating because he is a good quarterback. And again, Syracuse ought to be a will hopefully be a good football team this year. So I mentioned the, the, the scheme where we're dropping the defensive tackles into coverage. I want to bring up another unique scheme that we saw for the first time. And I noticed it rewatching the game. You saw it there uh, on the last drive of the game with the Xavier Thomas in there comes out. They come up with this uh, new lineup there across the defensive line called the Indy Package. Where uh, Cleveland Farrell, Austin Bryant, and Xavier Thomas, three defensive ends were out on the defensive line along with Christian Wilkins on
0: the same play. That wreaks some havoc. I really like I really like going to Xavier Thomas as much as you can and using using him in, in unique and wh- whatever situational type plays you can. I, I can't help but feel this defense might need a little bit of a I don't want to say overhaul, but just maybe a little bit of a, a polish, something different, a new wrinkle. And if, it, if it's using Xavier Thomas in, in different packages, then by all means, because he is a
1: freak, just a freak. Well, and I think you saw that. That was one of the adjustments coming into this game and the game plan for that, creating this package coming in where they use uh, Xavier Thomas as a spy on Dungey. My only gripe was, you know, do that from the first play of scrimmage, let him put that sack on Dungey. And that kind of changes the outlook of the entire game. Now, you know, being facetious, but um yeah love the package love what i saw i could watch that sack on dungy all day long that was a thing of beauty
0: i do want to comment on how i yelled uh after that sack and i can't imagine i was the only one it was just the this yell of relief like a like a battle cry of sorts but what, whatever that would be at the end of a end of a battle um a victory cry but man that was it was a it reminded shades of vic beasley 2014 there's comparisons, same number, different dude. But, man, that, you just don't see guys that size move as quick as 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 Xavier Thomas is moving. And so how did your girlfriend respond to that? I think, you know, so. Did she know,
1: feel like you were loosened up at that point? It's
0: her, only her second season as a, as a Clemson fan. But you know how you do some things in a game. Clarification,
1: where, it's only her second season dating a Clemson fan.
0: Yeah, yeah, there you go. So she's, you know. <laughs> She's, she's on the bandwagon now. So there's a couple things that you do. Maybe you get a little bit too angry and, and you realize after the game, like, did I make an ass of myself? And you know, most likely you did. Or maybe you yell, like, you know, something like an obscenity during the game. And she's probably thinking, is this guy crazy? It's like, no, I'm not. I'm just a Clemson fan. You know, we do this thing from time to time. But that, that was what happened.
1: Well that's why you gotta bring him to the to the crowded bar with a bunch of Clemson fans because then you don't look like the only idiot yelling everybody else is doing the same thing. And then you kinda ease into it after year one. So you I think you're working it right. Good point. Um, uh, but yeah, you know, Xavier Thomas Tiger Illustrated mentioned it about him that he has all the he has all the makings of uh, Jadavian Clowney, but better because of his work ethic. I mean, his body is there already as 18, 19 year old freshman. Um, the athletic talent and ability is clear. Once the mental part of the game gets there fully for him, he's going to be, they went so far as to say that he could be the first defensive player in a very long time. And, you know, a guy besides quarterback or running back to be, you know, legitimately considered for the Heisman.
0: That's, that's, that's lofty praise. And uh, I, you know, maybe he can get there, maybe not, but man, just another fun player to watch. And just like, I, I, whenever he's in, by the way, I just keep my eyes glued to him. If you watch him, if he can get, if if he's rushing the passer and he can he can detect a pass play, man, he moves super quick. He's he's uh, short enough where he can do this or he can just duck duck his his shoulder under. And anyone that knows, you get you get that shoulder uh, past the defender, it's it's a done deal. But the other thing that I love that he'll do is when he realizes the play is happening ahead of him. Maybe it's a it's a run play. Or the pocket starting or the quarterback's middle from the pocket, he will run straight into his his uh offensive tackle and just bull rush him. Um and he the he has no answer. Like he can he has both ways of going about being a defensive end in terms of strength or speed.
1: He's got the speed, again, similar speed to Vic Beasley and has thirty pounds on him.
0: Heisman Heisman type, I mean, he'll be going up against a guy named Trevor Lawrence in that same year, but 2000. We're an even year team, it seems. In I'll, 2020 I'll, is going to be
1: exciting. I'll we'll take, say that. I'll take one, two, Heisman. And, and that's the thing, as opposed to like your running back or your wide receivers, where your quarterback on the same team is competing against them. You're on opposite sides of the ball here.
0: Just, just stealing votes. That's the, that's the only thing. But I, you know, I won't go so far as to say that. But man, we have a good one, and he's going to help us like the rest of the year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're grooming him for a bigger role, and you're going to see him out there a lot more moving forward um before we wrap up this uh the game recap here cody i want to talk about space special teams a little bit more than usual because it did some things reared its u- ugly head in this game there were several issues uh one is hugel can miss another 47 yard field goal that has to be a little bit of a concern now he hit his other ones which were big in this game given that we only had a four point win um but amari rogers really had some trouble fielding punts on the day now Kind of in his defense, that Syracuse punter was just booming high, rain-making punts. Three muffs, had the crucial fumble. Um, I think all of that kind of makes it seem like, for the most part, he didn't have a good day. Um, I think he played just fine on the offensive side of the ball, and he had the one return um, on the kickoff. But a little bit shaky there, and I think you saw Hunter Renfro coming in there after that, that fumble.
0: Yeah, I mean, not much you can say except he was getting in his own head by the end of it, and the kicker was probably who's probably going to play in the NFL. The punter for Syracuse, um, it, it, he was just putting him putting him uh, in, in places that Mamari hadn't seen so far, and there seemed to be a snowball effect after that la- or after the first muff.
1: How do all these schools that aren't considered upper echelon schools get all these great kickers? Because I swear to God, every time we play a team.
0: I think the question is, why, why doesn't Clemson get them on a more routine basis? Well, fair question. We've got BT Potter. We'll move on to him. Um, so we
1: did get one there. His leg has been a huge difference maker, and it, this gets really overlooked and overshadowed just because, you know, when you're getting touchbacks every time. But um, he's second in the, or Clemson is second in the country in opponents' average starting field position, and you combine that with our defense, we said it before, that really puts opposing teams' offense at a disadvantage. And it really helps when your quarterback goes down. So to close this thing out, I just want to say I said it in the moment and then I continued to think about it afterwards and after I rewatched the game again and after reading a few articles. This is an important win. I don't want to be hyperbole and say this is one of the most important wins Clemson has had under the Davo era, but it's a pretty damn important win, especially with all the drama that went on this past week with Kelly Bryant. You mentioned it in our our Kelly Bryant reaction show that – um, this is the biggest drama controversy since at Clemson since Tommy Bowden got fired.
0: That that's part of it. We have to think that was what was once going to be the most mundane, boring sort of year because you we are going to roll all over opponents. Has become just in five games in has become one of the most drama filled years that we can remember. Like maybe since two thousand and eight. I, I don't know, but plenty of drama. I'm okay with less drama from this point on, um, but that game. Uh, and and the the A game was was excellent too. That game was I don't care the score I don't I don't care the, what the expectations for this team are what they should do when they play Syracuse. That 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 win meant a lot and it like from an emotional perspective from being a Clemson fan it, it was one of the better wins that I can think of.
1: Yeah, I, I think it does so much for this team too. You saw the moxie and swagger, not just Chase Price coming in there, but the entire team and the willingness of the coaches to stick with the young guys and stick with the game plan and give them. All of this crucial, crucial experience that if you are blowing teams out, you're just not going to get. All of this is going to come back to pay dividends at the end of the year when we're playing tougher competition in the postseason. And just what it does for the psyche of these guys and to show the resiliency of not only for them to
0: bounce back from the loss of Kelly Bryant, but also a Trevor Lawrence. It's going to do a lot. And if it doesn't, then that, that's going to be telling. This game should be it should be a fork in the road. It should be what Pittsburgh was two years ago, I believe, because you're not going to get another Pittsburgh, by the way, if you have to lose to learn what what losing will feel like if that happens, then you're just not going to be a championship team. But if so, I hope they learn from this and they move forward. But I have to say, I am surprised. And if you listen to our preseason shows, I am surprised at where we're at Um part of that is is completely understandable and it's reasonable because of the quarterback situation. Um, but other parts it's just there's a little bit of lack of focus. There's a uh, there's some talent gaps and there's some young guys that have to come along really fast. And, and it's it's really on both sides and of the, the ball. And the offensive play calling has to mature. Coaching has to mature. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: that being said doesn't matter how we got here at this point. We are 5 and 0 and every goal for this team is left on the table. Um, with the ultimate goal being, as it looks like right now, being as good or better than Alabama, or at least not embarrassing ourselves when we play them. And I think a lot of teams have that goal right now,
0: and are staring down the same thing. Admittedly, you do have to recalibrate based off of what you're seeing down in Tuscaloosa.
1: Well, we have to not focus on that. We have to take it one game at a time and continue to watch this young team grow and get better. Um, and, you know, I can't say enough about the veteran leadership that is there because that's a big part of what has held this team together, specifically Christian Wilkins. Um, you know, you heard about him taking Trevor Lawrence out to breakfast after Kelly Bryant left the team. So, um, the pieces are there. I think you'll just, it'll, it'll take some time to see it all come together, especially when you're playing all these young guys. But again, at the end of the year, all this experience is going to pay huge dividends.
0: Yeah. If we get, if we lose there, then we're not. Uh, I just don't see Syracuse losing two games. We'll see how their season goes because they lost every single game after beating us last year. It's pretty clear they they faced a little bit of adversity and they just gave up. That's what happened there. That team was talented enough to win a game or two. Um, I don't see that happening this year. And I want to say the same thing that I said about a M. They will show us the, the the win or the this win will age well. And. I don't know, I I feel like they they came out and played their best game. Clemson did get away, but man, they they have a long way to go. They, the schedule couldn't stack up better for, for, for us for the rest of the year given the freshmen that we had to bring along, including Trevor Lawrence. Hope he's hope he's healthy.
1: Well, and you you talk about the schedule to end out the year. Pretty lucky that NC State, Louisville, and uh, Florida State don't look like world beaters. Because that's a that's a stretch of games at the end of the season that in most years is Um, looking pretty treacherous, especially with your second-string, technically second-string freshman quarterback starting.
0: I don't don't think we would get past them this year, that's for sure.
1: Well, we don't have to worry about that because they are who they are this year, and uh, Clemson hopefully continues to get better. We get Trevor Lawrence back for the game against Wake Forest, so let's hope for the best. Trevor, get out of bounds. Okay, so that wraps it up for our Syracuse uh, recap. A uh, hell of a game, a lot of emotions. What a roller coaster ride, but at the end of the day, Clemson pulls out the victory, 27-24. We're 5 and 0. before we wrap up this show, let's run around college football and talk about some of the other storylines. Okay, Cody, uh y- you know, one in particular amazing game over the weekend, Ohio State, Penn State, you know, Penn State had Ohio State dead to rights, should have won that game, had the lead most of the game by double digits. It comes down to a fourth and fifth uh, play call where um, uh, James Franklin decided to take the ball out of uh, McSorley's hands. They run the ball, they get stuffed. ball game. So that's got to be heartbreaking for Penn State's fans. Now, after the game. Franklin goes on a um, kind of a rant about how, you know, at first we had to become a good team and then we had to become a better team. And now we're a great team, but we're not an elite team yet. My question is if he calls a better play call and they go on to win, would he, would, would he have considered them elite?
0: You know, that's two years in a row where they barely lose to Ohio state. And that's, I guess that, that makes them elite just by beating Ohio state in, in, in two seasons. But yeah, maybe a, maybe a better play call, maybe a, a couple more playmakers. Um, Saquon Barkley isn't walking through that door. So. Well, I
1: think Ohio State has a lot of questions for themselves, too, as they, they kind of square up Alabama like the rest of us are doing. Um, the Georgia-Tennessee game, Georgia won that 38-12, to but the score doesn't indicate, I think, uh, the way Georgia played in that game. I think Georgia fans might be a little bit uh, nervous at this point as well. We'll, we'll see when uh, they eventually end up playing Alabama. Um, LSU continues to roll. Um, Notre Dame with the big win over Stanford, uh, by 21 points, looks like they are turning into a legitimate contender and they could be somebody that really upsets the balance in the college football playoff. All the more reason not to lose a game because, um, I I feel confident one loss that Clemson can go up against the other conferences. I don't, if Notre Dame is part of that equation.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it will, I I don't think one loss, I I think we're out But things will have to shake out Notre Dame. Is a legit contender. I don't. I'm not saying they're of the. They're not in the same conversation they as made Bama. the quarterback they're change. They're a different team, and they're 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 one of the better teams in college football. They're not. They're not Bama, but they they might beat us if we played on Saturday.
1: Um, and then, kind of uh, lurking there is West Virginia out of the Pac-12, or sorry, out of the the Big 12. They're still undefeated with a 42-34 victory over Oklahoma State. They're somebody to watch out for. So, again, these are just teams and talkie points to, to kind of look at as we get further in the season, and we start to whittle these teams down to about eight that have a legitimate chance to end up in the top four there. Did and, you mention Kentucky? Uh, Kentucky. I'm not going to say a big win over South Carolina because South Carolina is not a good football team, but if you're a South Carolina fan, well, if you're a Clemson fan, how nice it is to hear them shut the hell up about Jake Bentley.
0: I'm just excited for Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sure.
1: Go blue. That's Michigan. Ain't it? Whatever they call Kentucky, whatever yeah. Ashley Judd calls Kentucky. Um, so, moving ahead now into week six coming up this weekend, Alabama does not look to get a test. They should roll all over Chad Morris in Arkansas. Um, you got Texas at Oklahoma. Oklahoma has the closest game against Arby. They, they pound Baylor 66 33 this past week. But Texas, after that opening loss against Maryland, has actually looked pretty decent. They beat USC. Um, they have a chance here in this game.
0: Could be another one that falls by the wayside, another team that we think could be in the conversation. Uh, an upset upset alert.
1: Yeah, and I, I think another one to look at too is LSU Florida. LSU probably has the best combination of wins out of anybody in the the top ten so far this year, but with Ed Orger on there, you really still you really want to see some more out of them. I know their their offense is starting to improve, but um, you know, Florida has to, that is in Gainesville, so could be an upset there. But I look probably more towards that Alabama game to really tell us. Um, that really is going to tell us what we need to know about both LSU and Alabama.
0: I think so. And then Auburn's still going to have their say, even though they did lose to LSU. That's down the road.
1: Um, then finally, Notre Dame at Virginia Tech this weekend. Notre Dame rises to six in the polls. Virginia Tech back to 24 after their win over the weekend against Duke. You know, Virginia Tech had that bad loss against Old Dominion, um, like a really bad loss against Old Dominion at Old Dominion. Why the hell you would ever agree to play a game there? I don't know. But do uh,
0: you give Virginia Tech a shot in this game? I mean, Blacksburg's a tough place to play. For, this, for the fate of the ACC, we need Virginia Tech to win. We'll say that. And, yeah, they, they have a shot. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put too much into the Old Dominion loss. I think they just fell asleep. Old Dominion was 0-4. But or oh, zero I mean, three, they had a lot of heart. If you are watching that game, heart goes a long way. So, um, oh yeah, I've I've seen Rudy too. So I mean, anything can happen any given Saturday. I want to say Virginia Tech has a chance, but I mean it's the six point favorite. Let, let Vegas just lead the way. Well,
1: I mean, and they you may mean, certainly have a chance. You mentioned it's it's not only crucial for the just the perception of the ACC, it's crucial for the ACC and their spot in the college football playoff. Again, should Clemson. Um, or whomever comes out of the ACC, we'll see. up with a loss.
0: Clemson operates out uh, out of the sphere of the ACC in a way; like they they are not. Their fate does not rest in the hands of of the reputation of the ACC because they proved it on a national stage. The All Clemson Conference. Yes, I haven't heard that. That is well. That is because that is
1: my wit manifesting itself <laughs> right here in front of you, Cody.
0: It is all Clemson, um, in,
1: indeed. Uh. So, yeah, that wraps it up. Uh, some interesting games to to watch for this weekend. Then, of course, the Tigers have Wake Forest. Wake Forest 3-2 on the year, 0-1 in the ACC. Oddly, their fifth home game in a row. I don't think they played on the road yet. Um, they've got losses against Boston College and Notre Dame and wins over nobody of note. So there you have it. Um, we're just going to be looking at this game and seeing how the offensive performs and see if we finally take to the field. and. Aside from Georgia Tech, really put a team away early. And obviously, everybody's going to be on the edge of their seat waiting to see Trevor Lawrence come back.
0: 18 point spread. Vegas knows what, more than we do. What I'll was Syracuse? That. 23. But they also didn't know about a hurt quarterback. Let's be, come on, let's be real. That's a good point. Let's give them credit.
1: The line actually jumped when uh, Kelly Bryant transferred. Uh, so, yeah, that wraps it up, folks. Um, we appreciate everybody listening. As always, feel free to reach out and interact. We're at Clemson Podcast on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us, ClemsonPodcast at gmail.com. Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app, whether it be iTunes or Stitcher or the other various versions of it out there. And then, again, iTunes reviews are certainly helpful and appreciated. We've gotten some great feedback from from you guys over the three and a half years or so we've been doing this podcast. We really appreciate that. And then, again, a reminder, Tully... Coming out, anticipating Thursday morning an uh, a, a interview podcast with Quacking Tiger from Shaking the Southland and some guys from ClemsonPaws.com. We encourage you to, to go to Shaking the Southland's website and read uh, Quacking Tiger's um, recaps of every game. And then also, Clemson Paws does a great job of their instant reactions and then breaking down the game. Um, after the fact just some really interesting in-depth stuff that you don't get really anywhere else so be on the lookout for that episode coming up here as they talk about the quarterback situation and the fate of clemson football moving forward for the rest of the year so with that we'll wrap it up we'll be back at you with a recap of the weight game next week and until then and as always go tigers